Welcome to Cinemaholics. Last week, stand-up comedian and up-and-coming film director Bo Burnham returned with a Netflix special quite unlike any other. It's part one-man show, part pandemic time capsule and mental health catharsis machine, and it's definitely all Bo Burnham. He filmed the special during lockdown over the course of an entire year, and it was certainly a massive undertaking, as we will get into. I'm John Agroni, as usual, and filling in as our guest host on this review of Bo Burnham Inside, we have Corey Woodruff. Corey, how's it going? John, I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm really excited you're here. I wanted to make sure I'm talking to someone who knows their Bo Burnham material, and I think that's you, right? Yes, I am very thoroughly Bowed. Um, I've been on the Burnham train since I was in high school watching his YouTube videos, so um, my, my, my Burnhamography goes back pretty far, so I'm ready to, uh, to bow this thing up. Right on, right on. Yeah, Bo Burnham is somebody who's been working for a long time now, even though he is very young. He's just in his early 30s now. And I, I happen to be, I think, like really close in age to him. I think he's like a month older than me or something. So it's it's always kind of fun to chart his career against mine. Certainly a very talented individual, one who intimidates me as much as he inspires me with his creativity and his willingness to try a lot of different Things. Now, we should say at the forefront that he left stand-up comedy several years ago. His last special was, I believe, Make Happy, which came out in 2016. And I have to admit to you, Corey, that was the first thing from Bo Burnham that I really enjoyed in its entirety. I Honestly, I wasn't the biggest fan of him before that, but it sounds like you were. Yeah, it's interesting. I, he came out like right around the time when I think YouTube really was starting to make things go viral. I mean, you're talking like 2007, eight, roughly around that time when the term viral was really beginning to pick up steam. And I remember keying in on his stuff and it was like kind of taboo enough to where it was kind of shocking, but just like clever enough to where it was just really, really funny. And um, it was like, no one was really doing that at that time. Like it felt like it's really kind of an interesting little ecosystem that he was kind of navigating on his own. And then he appeared in Judd Apatow's Funny People, which was kind of his first big kind of movie thing. Obviously, Apatow's got a history of finding these folks when they're very early in their career and kind of getting them out there and usually getting them some sort of vehicle, um, which obviously he and Apatow kind of worked on a high school musical parody there for a while that never really came to light. Um, One of the unrealized projects over the years that I've always really been curious to find out more about in terms of what it was and why it didn't work out. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he was a big deal there during the uh, kind of the rise of his career. He, he went viral on YouTube. His, a lot of his, you know, very, um, you know, at times dated material dealing with being a high school student who likes to sing and make songs and very, you know, late thousands, uh, you know, comically angst uh, kind of views of things. So he he definitely, obviously, like you said, he's been working for what feels like a very deceptively long time. And, you know, by now he's so prolific in his career. He's done so many things and it's just been so interesting to watch it all evolve. Yeah, he's done a lot of like different things, a lot of little things here and there. And I remember he he didn't get on my radar until like I, I saw him in Funny People, but I wasn't really aware of him until Words, 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 his 2010 special which is when, you know, he was really starting to come up as a comedian outside of YouTube and into the mainstream, as you're kind of alluding there. And it's, it's interesting because I was talking about this with Will, actually, because Will Ashton, co-host of the main show, he 
he was kind of trying to explain to me like why he hasn't been like he's never really gotten into Bo Burnham. He's never really watched any of his stuff in full. And we were having a conversation about musical comedy or just like using songs to do comedy. And I think words, 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 and then what were like the first things I like listened to from Bo and I like was you know, kind of listening to his songs. And then I watched a little bit of the specials and I have to be honest, it was funny stuff, but I, I found it more amusing than anything else. I, I wasn't that like into it to be totally honest. I think make happy in 2016 was when I really saw like, wow, this guy, as he's like maturing is saying some really interesting metatextual stuff in his comedy. Like it feels deep. It feels like artistic or a little more artistic than what it was before. Now, after that, uh, he actually left stand up in order to kind of kind of do some self care. He reportedly was he was having like panic attacks on stage, and so he took a break from stand up, basically quit, and started doing other things. He started showing up in movies. He started he directed his first movie, Eighth Grade. He was in The Big Sick. He was in Rough Night, and uh, Promising Young Woman. You know, Academy Award nominated Promising Young Woman, and so his career has definitely been going down the film path. And so Inside is definitely a, a special thing. It's more special <laughs> in, uh, in more ways than one. And I have to be honest, I, I wasn't really aware of this special like until the month leading up to it. It's gotten incredibly good reviews. Also some discourse, a lot of people have been talking and criticizing it and analyzing it in a lot of different ways. Yeah, Corey, as we start to kind of unpack what this special is, what what did you think of it? I want to hear your thoughts and maybe if you want to give examples of like different things that stick out to you in this. It's interesting. Um, it really reminds me, it feels like a sequel to Make Happy. Um, for those that are familiar with the 2016 special, the way that it ends, it's one of my favorite like cappings of a comedy special ever. It kind of parodies the uh, kind of um, kind of the sonic, voice that Kanye used on his like 2000 early 2010 stuff where he would go to the concert and kind of put his voice on a bit of a kind of a audio synthesizer I suppose um and kind of talk for a long time I've actually been to a show where Kanye's done something similar to that but Bo kind of does that but with like some really stupid material but while he's weaving in that material he's um also kind of doing this really deep introspection on who he is as a comedian, why he's doing what he's doing. Like he's just doing, why is he trying to be on a stage trying to make people laugh? And it's just like kind of begins to crack open this idea of what his kind of self-awareness has become as his career has gone on. Now I would argue that he's always had a little bit of that in his material, even going back to the YouTube days um, where he's kind of aware that, look, I'm, I'm doing this for reasons like when he did the song Welcome to YouTube he's just like you know I'm basically risking losing all my friends and my parents respect by you know being up here doing these stupid songs like this is a very he's a very smart person I think to understand what his space is in entertainment and what the space of an entertainer is and I think that towards the end of that special um, that came out about five years ago it kind of hints to this idea of him like being willing to leave the stage to, you know, infuse his material into a different way. So Inside is kind of the 
culmination of that, I would say, but also obviously like a lot of things that we're about to see, I'm guessing, was very influenced by the pandemic, influenced by this idea of social isolation and kind of being forced into a bubble and looking at yourself and why you do what you do. I think all of us had to do that a little bit when the pandemic happened, just out of convenience, I suppose, of just kind of being locked in the space and being forced to understand who you're going to be and how you operate when you're away from everything. And I think that, I mean, I think the special is great. Like, I mean, you know, I think some people call it a film. Some people call it a special. I'm not exactly sure where I am. Um, part of me wants to think it's more of a film with the way that it's structured. But obviously the material kind of more lends itself to a special. But I mean, I think it's pretty stellar. I think it's an incredibly smart piece of work. Um, I think it's actually at times a little smarter than some people may be willing to give it credit for in terms of what Bo's actually doing. Um, I think you can take something like this at the surface and just appreciate like that it's a very metatextual piece, like you said, like it's a very self-rumination of who he is as an artist and what his space is. But I think it also speaks a lot to kind of the moments that we've been living through and how we try to analyze them. And I think it can be kind of scathing at times in terms of like how we're living our lives and how we're in, especially the way that we're raising a new generation. I think this is also in a way like an evolution of the uh, stuff he was trying to say with eighth grade and how kids are just completely being, you know, railroaded in a way, um, being raised in this communicative age and having such early exposure to, to social media. So, um, you know, there's, I've got a lot of convoluted thoughts on it, but uh, I mean, I would say pretty baseline that it's one of the best like specials I've seen in years. But look, I made you some content. Evolution is like the right word there, an evolution of Bo Burnham's persona and his approach to comedy and telling stories on stage. I think that up until this point, the the primary messaging he puts into his specials is pop culture commentary. He, for a long time, has been just one of the few comedians who like really understands social media, really understands its effect on the world and these trends. There's a song in here, you know, the white woman's Instagram that is weirdly beautiful. It, like it's beautifully done, but also it's hilarious and it's clearly like mocking a certain type of Instagram influencer or not even just influencers, but he kind of goes after all kinds of people who sort of replicate and memify each other in the types of posts they do and commenting on how we just sort of rip off each other in these sort of posts, but be more specific with a white woman's Instagram, which is the point of the song. But then he wraps it with this profoundly sad, but touching moment about a woman, you know, like reflecting on a tragedy. And it's just, it kind of speaks to, I think, the other half of this special, which feels a little new for Burnham, or at least new in focus, which is depression. Like he is clearly not doing okay with lockdown, much like the rest of us were. And we've gotten all kinds of time capsule movies and films and specials and things like that that speak to what it was like in like the past year, you know? And what was in people's headspace as they were forced to be removed from the lives that they once had. No more concerts, no more 
example, comedy specials, making movies, everything has been kind of just put on pause. And in a lot of ways, this special is like a really long bout of one man, like gradually over time, struggling with his depression, his self-awareness, and just feeling like an introspective person who really craves to interact with others and like forced and left to his own devices is producing content and even the idea of producing content at a time like this like he has songs and lyrics that are speaking to that it's like should i even be making jokes about things right now should i be joking about things that have to do with uh, the black lives matter protests and with the coronavirus which is killing people you know it's just it's i think a one thing that people have been criticizing in some places like, well, you know, just because you bring something up doesn't mean that it, you know, absolves you of all this. But then he jokes about that, too. (laughs) And so it's just sort of like a constantly self-referential piece of work that I personally find very fascinating. And like you said, of the moment. And I think what I like the most about this thing in general is just the technical mastery of it. It's one of those things where you just watch every sketch, every scene, and I'm just constantly thinking, how did he do that? How did he have the time to do that? He doesn't have a crew. He is quite literally inside one room for virtually the entirety of this special, like 99.99%. And he did it all himself. And he even interstitials parts of this special with him like rigging the lights and moving things around and having to do a second take just to kind of show you you know like like quick little like by the way this is what it took to do this uh, what did, what did you make of all that stuff like the staging the production of it cuz cuz for me it's it truly is remarkable like it makes me feel like i i could learn so much more than i already know about making stuff for people yeah, I mean, I think that's obviously, like, one of the standout parts about it is just that, like, you you have a hard time believing that it's so contained. I mean, this is just such an elaborate production in terms of just the different levels that he was able to take just a room. I mean, you just, like, because, again, a lot of this is shot in the same room. And the way that he's able to transfer one single space and make it feel so different for every single song, every single bit... I mean, through just really do it at home lighting and setting and just different props and different uh, angles and different, you know, the way he kind of moves the camera around. Like, there's just, there's so much, I think, you can learn about the economy of this. And just like, again, this, it does feel really cinematic. And I think that if you can make something that's so cinematic that's in one place, I mean, we've seen, you know, this, you know, this, I guess, confined cinema really started with like, I don't know, that op- the movie Open Water was just like two people bobbing up and down in water for like, you know, <laughs> 90 minutes. And then you had Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Like we, we've seen these movies where people, they're like in one space and they have to kind of like deal with things. The Saw movies kind of dealt very heavily with those at times of just being in one space and having to figure stuff out. But like this is just like that to a next level where it's just like he made 90 minutes of just his house. And, uh, I mean, you know, the fact that he was able to do all of this on his own, I think just shows how talented he is, not only in just the material he's creating, but just behind the camera. Like we knew that he's an accomplished director in terms of doing stand-up. He's done specials for Chris Rock and Gerard Carmichael and also directed eighth grade, which, you know, to a lot of people, and I definitely would agree that it was one of the better movies of 2018. So uh, he's obviously someone who can do a lot with a little and, uh, you know, can really accomplish things on both angles, which is pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of the listeners know Eighth Grade was my favorite movie of 2018. Just love that movie. I've seen it many times. I was thinking a lot during this thing how 
I, I was reflecting back on like the initial lockdown, especially because that was when here in America, it was at its harshest, you know, like people were terrified and it felt like more people were under lockdown. And then of course, like it gradually just like opened and became more of a, some people are locked down, some people aren't kind of thing. And I remember though, during the time when it felt like almost everybody was just sort of stuck at home and everything was closed, we saw a lot of how different types of people cope with that kind of situation and that kind of limitation that's put on society all at once. And I think it's fascinating, you know, you can look at somebody like John Krasinski and how, you know, he coped by making uh, some more news or some good news show, right, which became super successful. We saw some people make podcasts for the first time on Cinemaholics, like Will and I started watching more movies than ever and started, you know, doing all kinds of fun new like topics and things with, with our show. And we all just do different things. And with Bo Burnham, you see him kind of just processing i think not just this moment not just this situation but years and years of this what is apparently like depression and uh, manic episodes he's had i know there's been a lot of commentary on how it definitely appears to be performative his mental breakdowns in this special and i'm like yeah probably like i mean even if it is and i'm not sure you know one way or the other if uh, a fraction of what we're seeing is authentically him. I don't think it has to be. I, I think that performance is kind of the point. And I think that the fact that he can perform and it ring true is all that really matters in something like this, right? Like I'm not here, I'm not going to drag something down because I didn't get to see somebody be really like depressed. You know what I'm saying? And like, it just feels kind of gross to me to put that expectation on people, which is what I'm seeing from some others talking about the special. Yeah, I feel like he almost addresses that, you know, through the song Problematic. And, uh, you know, in the bit where he's just like, well, just people just please just, shut up about having to say everything about everything. Um, because again, I think part of the special is about, you know, in a very ironic way, the over analysis that we're giving um, the society we live in, because I think the pandemic exacerbated that because what else did people have, but, you know, to sit in their houses on their computers, trying to find meaning out of whatever is happening. Like he talks about that, the, you know, in that song, funny feeling the backlash to the backlash before the thing even begins. Like, and again, you know, we're probably yeah, exactly. already at the, at the point in this where it's like, we're at the backlash to the backlash of the backlash of Bo Burnham's special about the song about the back. It's just, I don't know. It's exhausting. And I think that we're at a point right now where it's like, I think it's beginning to be okay to be like, the, the conversations we have online are exhausting and unhelpful. I mean, in a very large way, it's like, very rarely do I ever see a conversation that's happening on the internet really ever lead to any sort of meaningful anything. It ends up being just kind of vapid and noisy and unproductive and then life just keeps going and nothing really happens to help anything and then you just begin to wonder like where did the time go and why did i exert so much energy into this and i think the trump era really brought that to light because a lot of really bad legit things were happening but then it's just like to try to take our minds off of kind of the awful things we were living through particularly through the pandemic we put our minds into things that just didn't really didn't really matter. And, you know, he obviously deals with kind of the quote unquote cancel culture conversation with problematic. Obviously, the, the backstory there is that some of his early material, I think some people would probably deem is a little bit dated and 
you know, and obviously no one's really tried to quote unquote cancel Bo Burnham in any sort of meaningful way. But like, I think even he's just kind of like, you know, where is this line of we hold ourselves accountable for our past and try to learn? And it just ends up being just kind of an empty exercise of just kind of digging for things that, you know, people don't really put a lot of consequence in for actually solving these ideas. And then he also tries to deal with solving these ideas. And should I even try to do that? And what's my role in that? So it's just like, I think that the genius of the special is that it really brings in a mood of what it's like to try to exist during not only during a pandemic, but in this online age where there are some legit like societal problems. Like, again, we're seeing right now um, an inability to pass any sort of meaningful voting regulate, you know, legislation that would prevent people from having their votes suppressed and states passing. You know, these are legit problems that could have very negative impacts. And then, you know, it's a very complicated situation. But like just this week, we were doing the uh, El Kemper situation with the debutante ball and like trying to weigh like where do we put our energy where do we put our focus in trying to make the world a better place and when are we just kind of yelling into this echo chamber that doesn't mean anything and ends up like putting us further from the goal that we think we're trying to achieve and i don't know it it bothers me and i think that's part of the reason why funny feeling is the part of the special that hit me the most is because it's a good like one it's a great one and it just like it it really bothered me because i feel like by the end of it we're just staring down the barrel of a gun and it's just like i don't know what we're doing to fix any of this like we're just at a point now where it's just like we're just moving so fast and not really accomplishing anything and i don't know it's just it's a very the thing got me thinking and if if a comedy special can get me thinking like this it's obviously doing a lot more than it should yeah and i want want to say too you know like those were my favorite moments of this thing when it would start being like a joke or a like a sketch that was kind of rooted in something kind of silly like for example the reaction video you know or the twitch stream Mm -hmm. like those are really well staged they're really funny they're really fun but then they turn into something a little bit deeper you know so like with the reaction thing especially it's like he's reacting to kind of a silly joke he made and then he's you know doing a commentary on why do we have so many reaction videos on youtube (laughs) kind of hints at problematic like everybody has to say something about something like what is the value of content like this but then he reacts to that and he reacts to that and reacts to that and he just does such a good job of like using the medium to tell deeper truths about the things we criticize and like why we criticize things and you know when being self-deprecating is a a defense mechanism like it's just such a great exercise in one person sort of processing his mental health in a way that actually feels kind of useful to people it feels kind of cathartic to other people which is the thing i like most about it stuff i didn't like as much you know i there's a whole thing about sexting in here i was like okay you know i thought the facetiming your mom it's fun it's it's lighter you know that he kind of puts lighter things here and there especially toward the beginning because i think that he wasn't totally like for sure you know dialed in on what he wanted to do with this special and i think you can kind of tell with the earlier bits because they feel really all over the place they really feel like he's just trying a lot of different things this is an hour and a half i think that he probably felt really proud of the work he did and he wanted to keep in as much as possible and i I totally commend him for that and personally i wouldn't take out a thing because i think that you know there is such a variety of content that like 
there's something for everybody here but i do think that it, it still is glaring like you can still sort of like go through this and be like yeah you know some things are weaker than others some things don't feel as connected and cohesive as others while other aspects of the special blend perfectly and like the editing could not be better so that that's the only reason i think it even is a noticeable disconnect between like certain sections of this and then in terms of like how it ends i, th I think that it's just you know, I, I saw somebody liken it to just something so abstract, so like, what did I just watch? They were invoking some like classic films even. And so like, clearly there's a lot of love for this special. People are really liking it. Some people I think are just kind of like rejecting it for, you know, reasons I hope we're being super uh, upfront with. I, I want to say that Sako, for example, is probably my probably going to be my Halloween costume this year, and uh, I hope to uh, be as based <laughs> as Sako. But we'll we'll have to see. Corey, any uh, last thoughts on Bo Burnham inside? And uh, what was your final grade for the special? If, even if you want to put a grade, we don't usually grade specials. So, well, it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I, I might end up putting this in my movie rankings at the end of the year because it just it does feel like such a contained work. And I know you kind of talked about some of the bits that I agreed didn't quite work as well. I don't think that the special is just like, you know, 100% efficient, but like, I don't know. I kind of admired a little bit of the sloppiness because like, I think just the fact that this works in general is kind of a miracle in and of itself. Like I could have seen, obviously I think Burnham is such a talented person, but I could have seen this being like one of his lesser efforts because like, I feel like, you know, we are going to enter just pandemic after pandemic after pandemic evaluation, special movie, you know, music. It's just, we're going to get to a point where we're all going to get exhausted about having to remember something that was so exhausting, but this didn't do that for me. Like this was such a fresh nuanced take on not only what it was like, because again, I don't think this is just about what it was like to live during a pandemic. I think it's just what it's like to live right now and like what it's like to live in just this hyper-connected age where, you know, everybody feels like they have to know everything that's going on and how is that affecting our mental health? Because this stuff was like, you know, decaying at us before this pandemic even began. And you know that like, again, he made an entire movie about how it's impacting younger generations because Welcome to the Internet to me is like the, the scariest part of the entire special where he plays this like carnival barking guy wearing these like John Lennon glasses and all these lights are spinning around and he's basically just like talking about how like the internet is like eating us whole and they're like we're just like subjecting ourselves to it and letting our kids like kind of fall into the same vicious cycle um, and it's just like the, the hook of that song is can I interest you in everything all of the time which is just like a horrifying thing and just kind of deals with I think Burnham ironically has a very strong distaste for the thing that made him famous, which is the internet. Um, I'm sure he's appreciative of what he's accomplished and what he's able to do because of it, but I think he also acknowledges that like this is a cancerous thing that is also kind of eating away at the way that we kind of engage with each other. But it's also I don't know. It's 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 interesting. There's just so much about it that I think is, you know, you could write grad papers on this. People will write papers on it like it's going to be a very analyzed work for a long time i think when we can go back at the end of the year and talk about things that came out of you know 2021 this will be one of the prominent things because it's just you know it's such a contained moment and obviously it's on netflix everybody has access to it so it's very readily available but if i gave it a grade i give it an a i mean i think it's i think it's a work i think it's everything you could want it to be but i think it was funny feeling in general it just got me 
because it's just like if you really want to encapsulate like how it feels right now to really kind of have to think about everything that we've gone through i think it's that because again it just keeps moving like we we haven't stopped we haven't really taken like a national moment to really like reflect on this and i don't think that we will i think that life will continue to speed up and we will just kind of go back to the way things quote unquote were without really any sort of time to grieve or process what we've been through and i think that's what bo's mourning in that song that like life just kind of has become this non non-ending stream of things that kind of happen and we can't really focus like you know it feels like if this were 30 years ago there would be like almost a year where like nothing happened where everyone would just be still and calm and quiet and just kind of reflecting on holy hell what just happened but we're not going to get that like life moves way too fast right now so it's just like to be able to have someone encompass that feeling like I haven't exactly felt something like that since I watched Nomadland for the first time which I get is kind of an accidental pandemic movie because that thing was obviously shot well before any of this happened but no, I think that's the power of this. It just it, it it hits a it hits a nerve inside of you that you didn't think anything could exactly hit the perfect way, but I think the special does. Yeah, it it, it had a, a huge, profound emotional impact on me for a lot of reasons, and it's one that I definitely want to revisit, but I also dread revisiting it for a lot of the things that you said. You know, I'd I'd like to listen to it, you know, but the soundtrack I, I don't think it's available quite yet. Uh, that said, yeah, I, for me, I'm I'm a, a low A minus. I I just think that I think it's a must watch. I th- I think that people, even if they don't think that they would be into it, even if they end up hating it, I think that people should watch it. I think it's a really great encapsulation of uh, everything that we just said, everything that we've kind of gone through in the last year, but done in such a technically just extra mile kind of way. I mean, you just see so much effort being put into this and the fruits of that being so apparent. And there's just no creative voice quite like him right now. I think we should protect him at all costs because I just feel like we we have somebody who's on the verge of being like a real savant in terms of just capturing an emotion, capturing a feeling and sort of overcoming the naysayers, the contrarian takes and just putting forth something that is like, true and real and not reactionary like i just don't think that he's making something in order to please a critic or to make people like him i think he is just expressing something that he believes is artistically important and he's doing a great job at it so i think that this for me i keep calling it a special but i yeah i I agree with you it does feel like such a great hybrid you know it's a one-man show and uh, even that i think is pretty is pretty far from like comprehensively defining what this really is and i just think there's something really exciting about that prospect i hope more and more people check it out i'm glad i got to talk to you about it Corey. and i'm i'm just happy he actually topped make happy that is really and and maybe in some ways like uh eighth grade at least the expectations i had such high expectations based on eighth grade and the fact that i think he really meets them is just really fantastic to see i'm really happy that that is the case so that is Bo Burnham Inside. You can check it out right now on Netflix. Before we go, Corey Woodruff, what, is there anything you want to plug for the listeners or somewhere they can find you if they want to uh, tell you that you are totally right about Bo Burnham and there are no edits needed? Good. Yes, please. Tell me that all over Twitter at Corey Woodruff 47 You can find me there geeking out about the fact that uh, Bo Burnham is playing Larry Bird. Uh, the great Boston Celtics basketball player in that new Adam McKay um, L.A. Lakers series. Oh, yeah. I mean, that whole cast is just going to be, like, all-time good for television. But um, that casting particularly just, like, knocked me over because that's just 
perfect. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CoreyWoodruff47. I host a podcast with comic books Charlie Ridgely called Generation VHS, where we go around looking at movies that came out in the 90s and thousands of the family variety that maybe don't get talked about as much anymore and try to analyze why we liked them when we were kids and if they're any good now. Um, you can find that. Like Airbud. Yeah, like Airbud, which John uh, appeared uh, <laughs> on that episode and helped us analyze that in classic film. So. Um, you can find that on any podcast platform that if you want to, if you'd like to do that. And it's just so great to always come on any sort of cinemaholic anything. So I'm just uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I think the name of that Generation VHS episode was best episode we've ever done until the next time dot 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 John is on the show. Yes, right? I, I think that's pretty in the ballpark yeah. of what it was called. Just Google that and then you'll find it. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.